Miller. On this week's episode of Tiger Turf Talk, we host an absolute legend in Mr. Jeff Fowler of Penn State. He's an extension educator um, for the state of Pennsylvania. He has been focusing on sports turf management throughout the state of Pennsylvania with his counterpart, um, focusing on a lot of the other areas of turf grass management. But it is truly an honor to have such a iconic person of the sports turf industry on the podcast, uh, especially at this time where we are in a very difficult time after losing our dear friend and co-host, Rylan Harris. Um, Mr. Fowler did so much in sending love, prayers, letters, uh, videos, just all positive things to Ryland during his battle. And for that, we are eternally grateful and truly cannot um, thank him enough for that. So it was definitely important to us to make sure that we had him on um, this week, um, sort of as a celebration to who Ryland was. Um, I know that we were hoping to have uh, the opportunity to go on his podcast, which is Fresh Cut Grass. Um, him and his counterpart run a fantastic podcast out of Pennsylvania, uh, discussing different areas of the industry and really just showing all the different components that build up this incredible industry. Um, so definitely be sure to go check out their podcast. I will leave the link in the description of ours. Um, yeah, I mean, it was just phenomenal, and we can't thank him enough for taking the time. We hope you enjoy this episode of Tiger Turf Talk. Uh, good afternoon, and welcome to the 55th episode of Tiger Turf Talk. I'm your host, Drew Miller. Today, we have on an incredible guest. We have the extension educator for Penn State University, Mr. Jeff Fowler. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing great, Andrew. How are you? Oh, it's been a rough couple of weeks, which, uh, like I told you, I wanted to have you on today for a very special purpose. Um, I remember, I believe it was February when uh, Rylan got very sick um, and Dr. Goatley actually connected us and you re- reached out and kept reaching out, uh, checking in on Rylan um, and the video. I cannot tell you enough about that video about the sycamore um pine cone am i right is that yeah um yeah. The, the sequoia the sequoia, sequoia pine thank cone. You. yeah so I, that if i just wanted to say thank you and again with you being on right now it's perfect timing you know um we i can't thank you enough for that um but again with all of that we did lose rylan this past week for those that did not hear the last episode um it's been very rough. We do miss him dearly. Um, but I did want to talk to you, obviously, because, again, you were so supportive and incredible with all that. Um, uh, sorry, I'm losing it. <laughs> um, no, that, that's OK. That's OK, Drew. Um, I, I, I understand losing it um, because what you what you and your students just went through um, is one of the most difficult things that any human can possibly go through. Um, Because quite honestly, it doesn't have any explanation at all, right? We we can sit and we could talk for weeks, months, years to try to figure out why Rylan, right? Why why Ryan? Why not um why not me? Why not you? Why why some 19-year-old kid who had his whole life in front of him? Um why why do we why do we strike him down. Um, we, we can kill ourselves trying to come up with reasons why, um, but we'll never do it. Um, we'll never come up with good answers. Um, what I will say is um, that what we need to, to live on and what we need to think about and what we need to, to focus on is the memories we have, right? We need to think about um, when we get down or we get to thinking about um, anybody in our lives that's been taken away too soon, we need to think about the memories. Um, you know, so I, I would encourage your students um, to, to think about the good times they had with Ryan um, and think about the, 
the times that they laughed at him or something dumb that he did, because we all do dumb stuff, right? <laughs> but think about those things. Think about those things um, and, and have, a, have a positive memory of him. Because um, if we try to do anything else, it'll just, it'll kill us all. Absolutely. It's funny. One of the memories that I always bring up uh, was actually at Penn State. So his freshman year, the uh, Dr. Kavinsky contacted us and we ended up going and meeting with uh, McNitt and all the group um, for the day. And the freshman class was one of the only classes that had very few students and he was a freshman at the time. Um, so it was him uh, and four of his friends, which ended up being like four of his best friends. Um, and they were able to talk at the service the other day. It was incredible. Um, but I will always remember his curiosity in the classroom, but at Penn state, it went above and beyond. I remember we would move from one, uh, topic. So we would be talking about the pen foot with McNitt and he would stay behind trying to figure out more. Uh, the memory I have is you, Evan Miscotti and him were off to the side with the Clegg hammer, trying to figure out different measurements and everything. And it was just, it was so cool to see. And always one of the memories that I always think about when it comes to Rylan. Um, yeah. But what was so powerful about you reaching out is that you had your own journey. And again, I don't want you to ask any questions that are bad or anything like that, but the way you spoke in that video about the Sequoia and everything and what you had to go through really spoke to what he was going through at the time. Um, and if you want to share that story, I think that would be incredible for everyone to hear because it truly is. Yeah, I, so I will, but we will, but before I do that, <laughs> before I do that, Andrew, uh, I, I, I'm going to do something for for your YouTube watchers, um, not for your listening audience, um, that not probably anybody has ever done on your show before, no, and that is take off my shirt to show you my Ryland Strong T-shirt underneath. Uh, um, I, I wear this. I I wear this thing with pride, man. Um, so, so the story is about um, something that I have here on my desk, um, and that is a sequoia pine cone. Um, it is um, about the size of a silver dollar. Um, it's one of the smallest pine cones um, that, 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 is, that you know, you'll run into. Obviously, like a hemlock is a little smaller, but it's a really small pine cone. And, and um, the only time that sequoia um, pine cone becomes able to produce seed, or it produces seeds, but the only time those seeds are able to germinate is when they um, are exposed to a, a forest fire. Um, that's the only time. So a pine cone, one, a sequoia pine cone can fall to the ground and it can lay there for up to a hundred years and not, and not germinate. But as soon as it's exposed to the heat of a forest fire, it explodes those seeds out into nature and those seeds then grow. Um, and, and I have related a, a cancer journey to, or, or life journey to, you know, when none of us um, like fire, none of us like any of that stuff, but, you know, until we're really tested, we don't really know what we have the ability to, to do. Right. Um, so that Sequoia pine cone um, sits on my desk all the time and kind of reminds me that um, what doesn't kill you will make you stronger. Um, yeah. So I, I, I kind of, um, and it's a little near and dear to my heart. Um, having had my own, my own cancer battle. Um, it, it's, um, I've kind of taken on a, um, I won't say a new mission cause it's always been a mission, but, um, I, I, I love reaching out to people who are battling, um, that dreaded disease, um, called cancer. Um, I can't relate to everything, um, all I can do is tell my story. Um, you know, one of the things um, that, that <laughs> I don't know, losing my hair um, from chemo was one of the hardest things I did. Um, I, for, for your listening audience, they can't tell, but your YouTube watchers, they can see I have a pretty full head of hair. Lovely um, head of hair. And, and, and but but losing your hair as a guy, right? You're like, yeah, guys shave their heads all the time. But it's not just the shaving your head or not having hair. 
you, you actually lose all your eyebrows and your eyelashes and all your facial hair and hair on your arms, hair in your nose. You lose all your hair. So, I mean, it labels you as a cancer patient. And that's one of the things that I really struggled with. Um, so now that I'm healthy and clean and all those things, um, I, I kind of relate that to people, you know, that, hey, it's not going to be easy. Um, but if it were easy, everybody would want chemo, right? Every, if it were easy to do, everybody would want it. Um, it's, a, it's a tough journey um, going through cancer. But anyway, enough about that. Let's, let's, let's talk let's, turf. Yes, on to turf. I appreciate you talking about that. I really do. And again, I can't thank you enough for reaching out and really caring for my kid. Um, I, it means the world to me. Um, but off to greener pastures, right? Um, <laughs> with everything that you do at Penn State, I'm sort of curious, with, and we just sort of talked about it, how you're more focused on sports turf. What does your role with Penn State entail as an extension educator? Because there are so many different parts of extension that a lot of people are aware of, but with yours, it's specific to a certain area. Um, could you sort of speak to that and what your job sort of entails? Yeah, yeah, I sure can. Um, about 25 years ago, um, my boss at the time um, sat me down and said, he was doing my annual evaluation. And he said, Jeff, I, I need your, Im your impacts for the year. Um, I was hired as a 4-H um, adult agriculture um, educator. Um, and he said, I need your impacts for the year. Um, I said, Dave, I, I, I don't have any. He said, what do, you, what do you mean you don't have any? I said, look, I, I work with a bunch of part-time farmers um, in Northwest Pennsylvania who don't really care if they, if they make money or lose money. It's a hobby to them. They, um, and he said, well, he said, Jeff, I'll be honest with you. Um, next year when we have this meeting, um, if you don't have any impacts, I don't have a job for you. That, that's putting it into terms that I understand pretty well, and I'm not that bright. Um, and and he, um, I had been dabbling with a little bit of athletic field um, work, doing a couple of seminars, a couple of meetings. Um, and he said, why don't you take that, um, that turf grass stuff and make it on a bigger scale? and do it in all of Western Pennsylvania. Um, and that's all, all he needed to say to me. And I took it and ran. Um, the ironic part of it is, Drew, now um, we at Penn State have all specialized um, because we couldn't, um, we couldn't keep up with, um, you know, all the, the, the newest and latest and greatest things in all those different areas, um, whether it's dairy or beef or poultry or crops or none of us can be good at all that stuff. So, so we, um, we all specialized and we just have bigger areas now. Um, I just specialized a long time ago um, doing turf work. So, so most of my work, um, I spend most of my time with um, youth sports um, fields, um, whether that's, um, youth soccer, youth football, um, but primarily youth baseball programs. Um, I spend a lot of time walking around little league fields, um, helping um, parents basically um, learn how to maintain a safe playing field for, for their kids to play on. So, so it's a lot of jobs. There's a lot of job security in it, right? Because your kids only play little league from the ages of eight to 12. And then, and then they go on to, and, and move out of the program. And then you, you have to have another set of parents that you train to do the same things. So um, it's a training program that I've established. I've been back to some of the fields um, five and six times over my, my almost 30 year, 30 year career doing this, um, you know, five and six times doing the same training programs for different groups of parents at the same location. So um, I spent a lot of time doing that. <clears throat> um, we do um, um, a lot of pesticide education training for lawn care providers, lawn care professionals, um, as well as sports turf managers um, and golf course superintendents all over all over Pennsylvania. I work very closely with 
the group that you talked about a little earlier, Dr. McNitt, Dr. Kaminsky, Dr. Landscoot, Dr. McGraw, <clears throat> that whole um, faculty crew at Penn State, as well as I have another um, extension educator on the eastern side of the state, um, Tanner DelVal, who he and I have our own podcast, um, um, but he and I have that. Um, and so it's, it's a big team. Um, and, and I, I think we do pretty good. You guys do fantastic work. What do you mean? Pretty good. <laughs> Some of the best in the industry, you know, um, with all we that, we like to think we like, we like to think so. I know. I think you've proven it, you know, <laughs> over the years, you know, we know everybody at Penn state when we were students coming up, you knew McNitt, you knew Fowler, you knew all those guys. Um, Part of that, though, with your role is the one of the largest events of the summer in the U.S. and even beyond that in the world, because, again, it's an international thing. It's the Little League World Series in Pennsylvania. Um, can you sort of speak to what that entails for you, again, being sort of charged with everything that goes on uh, when it comes to field work and maintenance and the actual events going on? Um, I mean, it. We talk about having tournaments at fields, you know, at one field, having five ga uh, games a day. You have how many fields multiple times a day, four times a day. The traffic's got to be insane. Uh, could you sort of just speak to the Little League World Series and what you're sort of in charge of with everything that goes into that? Sure, sure. Um, so as you've said, it, it is held in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. And what I found is that, when there is a large sporting event for youth in your home state and you are a turf grass educator for a fairly large university, Little League wants me to be involved and Penn State wants me to be involved. Um, so, my, so my role with Little League um, is, is a, a couple of fold. Um, the, 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 the big one that everybody... Um, knows most um, most about is that I coordinate the volunteers that come in to take care of the fields during the tournament um, in late August um, and help help the, the head groundskeeper there um, prepare and make those fields safe during the Little League World Series. So over the course of um, 14 days, um, I'll have 40 different volunteers that come in. Um, we we clothe them, we feed them, we, we take care of all of their, we, we house them. Um, and, and, um, they, they provide, um, their assistance to help take care of the fields. Um, and those are the things that you see, you know, on ESPN and the family of networks, um, you know, in, in late August, all, every game, 34 games on tele on TV across the world. Um, the, the, my other my other role with Little League is um, is it's a year round um, kind of relationship. Um, I, I won't say I oversee, but I certainly um, I guess I would use the word maybe consult um, on those fields with Rob Guthrie, the head grounds, the sports turf manager there at the facility. Um, I go in there two, three, four times a year um, just to. Um, to oversee um, so yeah the the other one that is that most people um, take for granted is kind of a consulting role that I spend um, time there in Williamsport um, as well as the other regional facilities around the country um, they have regional facilities in Bristol Connecticut um, just outside of Indianapolis Indiana Waco Texas um, Warner Robins, Georgia, and San Bernardino, California. Um, so I've been to all of those to walk the fields with the field managers. Um, every year I look at their fertility program, their, their maintenance practices, and what they're planning, what they have scheduled. Um, some of those fields um, have um, their, sub, their subcontracted out, um, the, the maintenance of them. So um, Little League has me look at all of their fertilizer programs and maintenance plans as well, just to make sure that agronomically we're on um, solid ground for field maintenance. Um, and it's um, interesting that um, 
you know, California and Bristol, Connecticut, two entirely different climates, um, two entirely different worlds. Um, and, and we, we somehow are able to pull off, um, regional tournaments at those facilities, um, before they get to Williamsport. Absolutely. Um, with everything, again, it's such a, it's a jam packed event for two weeks of constant play. Um, what are you sort of maybe prescribing? What are you sort of, um, recommending to Mr. Guthrie, like you said, um, in preparation for the event itself, maybe like two or three months leading up to it, what are you focusing on? Uh, and again, it's, uh, probably Kentucky bluegrass. You're talking about your cool season grass going into the heart of the summer, you know, um, what is it that you think that has been the big game changer that you sort of are prescribing to him to ensure that everything's playing perfectly? So, um, that's a great question. Um, but, um, you know, obviously we have to make sure our fertility program is in order because if we're, if we don't have enough food at the buffet table for these plants to eat, um, they, they're hungry. And if they're hungry, they're not strong. And if they're not strong, they can't tolerate the wear that and tear that we're going to put on them during the course of the series. The other thing that we emphasize and, and really, really push is airification. We've got to take care of the roots. Um, we've got to have good, healthy roots um, going into that series so or any of the series, um, whether it's the World Series or regional tournament, um, or whatever the case is, um, making sure those roots are healthy and, and actively growing to support life above ground. Um, we've got to make sure that, that they're in good shape um, so that those plants can be as healthy as they can because they're about to get abused um, for, for, for basically um, 10 days of the, of the actual playing tournament. Um, but that actually leads in you know, anybody that's that's coordinated any kind of a baseball tournament, they know that there's always practice events before that. And there's TV um, shoots on it. There's commercial shoots and there's all kinds of things going on. So it's really about a 14 day window that those fields just get absolutely abused. Absolutely, for sure. Um, something that real I think it's incredible that MLB finally came up with was the integration of a MLB game during the event during that week. Um, what was that sort of like, again, coming from, again, I understanding that, again, you're trying to have the best field possible for those little leaguers to adding a game on a field that has to be to the standard of, again, say, again, a $500 million player who's going to come play on that field. Um, who's involved in that? Uh, we're actually hopefully getting uh, Cook Murray on here next week. Um, who's involved in everything sort of prepping that field and bringing in uh, those sports turf managers to ensure that, again, you have a field that's at the MLB spec, but at the same time, you're able to ensure the rest of the fields are ready to go as well. If that sort of makes yeah, sense. So you're, so you're talking about the Little League Classic? The Little League um, Classic, the major, the, the, the major league yeah, game the, added on to the yeah. sort of the week event, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, so... Um, Drew, we don't have anything to do with that event. Okay. Um, well, we do the Little League, um, and they do the MLB Classic. Um, but that Classic is, um, I will say, Murray Cook and his group um, are the ones that ensure that that field reaches, you know, is up to the specs that it needs to be. Um, so Murray and his team, um, you know, are, are all about that. And Murray does a great job of making sure that that field is up to their specs you know, up to the specifications that it needs to be very similar to the, um, the field of dreams out in, in, um, that Iowa was, was this year. Crazy. That yeah. Wasn't that was nuts? Incredible. It was incredible. My bat. Yeah, I so had chills for an hour. Like, Oh, you know? Yeah. So that's that. So he, he does that as what well. he does. that that field sure. as well. Um, and anytime that there's another, um, MLB game other than one that's at a traditional stadium, Yep. Um, Murray oversees that. Um, so we, we, we get to go to the MLB classic, um, <laughs> um, which was a really big deal this year. Um, 
not because the two teams that were playing were important, but that's the only time we left the little league complex this year. <laughs> um, like, we were, let they, me go. <laughs> yeah. So it was the little league world series. The, the little kids world series this year was basically yeah. in a bubble. Um, so we, as the grounds crew, um, couldn't leave the facility. They house us on the facility. They feed us on the facility. Um, they take care of all of our needs on the facility. So it was a really big deal that we got to go to the classic because we got to leave. <laughs> the bubble extended for, for about yeah, five no, right. hours. The bubble got a little bit bigger. <laughs> the, bu- the bubble, uh, it's just about, a, I don't know, it's about three miles across town to, gotcha. to the, uh, the cross cutter fields is where the, the it's, it was a minor league uh, stadium. Okay. Gotcha. Um, and that's what, that's where they hold that game. Um, it was a, it's a long time stadium, um, there in Williamsport, um, Williamsport cross cutters, um, where the, it's the minor league team that plays there. I think they're now in that draft league, um, that, that they're, that's, I think what they're running out of there now, but, um, don't hold that me, hold that too. No, me. I got the minor league baseball got a big shakeup last year and I have no idea where anything's at anymore. You know, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where that game is held. Um, and about, well, when they started the year before they started the MLB Classic, um, they did a complete renovation, overseen by by Murray and MLB. Gotcha. gotcha. Um, they went in and and put in, um, you know, new field, new drains, new everything, um, and then they dress it up for the for the for the classic. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, something that again you sort of spoke to before we started was that you really focused on the sports turf manager side of everything, you know, sort of focusing on all your work with little league baseball, obviously other sports um, with that comes a lot of uh, work with again, regional and national sports turf managers associations. Um, can you sort of speak to your time working for these um, organizations and how your role sort of, uh, changed. Uh, I don't know how high you got in either of them. I believe you were president at some point for Pen- Pennsylvania. Uh, I could be wrong. No, so in Pennsylvania, in Penn, the CAFMO chapter um, in, gotcha. in Pennsylvania, um, we've had the same president since our inception. Um, Dan Douglas is our president, and he has been since um, we started the organization thirty years ago. Um, so I've never, I've never been president. I, I do sit on the board of CAFMO. Um, I've been on the board um, um, for the National STMA Association. Um, I've been, I was on the board there for, I don't know, seven or eight years, six or seven years. I don't know. It was a while. Um, A couple of terms and a couple of at-large positions. Um, You know, it's kind of funny um, and ironic um, that you bring that up because um, one of the things that, um, I had done while my time on the board was I, I ran for secretary treasurer, um, um, which ascends to the office of president. And I, w- I thought that would have been really, really cool to do, um, to kind of be a part of the association at that level. And I, I didn't win the election, um, um, which is all fine, well, and good. The, the people that won were fantastic people. Um, but ironically, Drew, um, the year that I would have been president is the year I was diagnosed with my cancer. Um, so I wouldn't have been able to fulfill my responsibilities anyway, um, because I was laying in a hospital bed with a needle in my arm getting chemo. Um, so, you know, it's um, God's got a God's got a plan for us all. And um, we we sometimes screw it up trying to figure it out for him. I love that, you know, <laughs> trying to screw it up by figuring out for him he definitely has a plan and it's definitely not what you expect most of the time you know so no i mean that's that's for sure i mean where i'm at right now i never thought i'd be here you know i never thought i'd be a high school teacher at 26 you know it's just it's kind of crazy you know um but here we are i still i still don't know what i want to be when i grow up so (laughs) i love that i'm and i'm a few years older than 26 so only a um, couple only a couple i know only a couple. Yeah. <laughs> um, with that, was there anything again at the national level or at the CAFMO level that you worked on that you think had a good positive impact on our industry as a whole? 
Um, and what sort of what was that and how did it come to fruition? Again, working with different people in the organization. Um, I'm actually on the board here in Virginia. And again, we are just getting started with certain things and working with people. How has that sort of had an impact on the industry as well as your sort of uh, your overall career so far uh, in the industry? Yeah. So it's, it's enabled me um, to do a lot of things. Um, and, and quite honestly, one of the things is to travel. Um, I love to travel. I love to, to go to turf conferences and I love to go to those turf conferences and speak. Um, I, I'm never short of words, um, but I love to speak at conferences. Um, I think I've been um, to every turf conference from, from the New England states all the way down to Georgia. Um, I've never been to Florida for a turf conference. I've spoken at STMA, the national meeting in Florida, so I can check that off the list. Um, I can, I can go, I don't, um, I don't do a lot with warm season grasses. We live in, we live in the snow belt. So, um, I don't get invited to, to go to those, um, those warm season States to talk about grass because they're, they're talking about Bermuda and, you know, how do you, how do you not make Bermuda grow? You just give it a little water every week and it it grows without any help. Um, yeah, that is true. (laughs) So, so it's enabled me to, it's been, it's enabled me to travel. Um, but specifically to your question, um, I was, I was, um, the academic rep on the board for four years on the national board. So I was chairman of the educational conference. Um, and one of the things, um, that we did in my, my tenure, um, was we started the academy, um, um, that um, was intended to be kind of a, a culmination of different events and putting them together pre-conference. Um, you know, if you went to a certain number of pre-conference events, you could get a certificate. Um, I'm all about certificates. I'm all about um, giving people something to hang their hat on, um, something to, to show to their boss, um, you know, that they did something. Um, and so I, I'm real proud of the fact that for four years, um, I was able to work with Kristen Althouse, um, the, the education, um, education manager for STMA, working with her and a, and a fantastic group of volunteers from across the country to kind of chair that education committee. Absolutely. I listened to your guys' uh, podcast on the with Kristen on fresh cut grass. So yeah, uh, she's awesome. I've worked with her a few times. I know I did the last year. We're actually going down with a few of our kids this year and presenting with them. Uh, should be a lot of fun. Um, but that's awesome. Especially with the educational part, there's so many different avenues of like change that can come from that, you know? Um, yeah. So definitely, definitely. That's awesome. Um, sort of with everything and sort of your experience, um, We've actually met before. Um, I was a student at the time. I forget when it was, but we were out at STMA. I think it was in San Diego. I think I met you when you were with Dr. McNitt. Um, again, I don't know if you remember me or I, not. Don't, don't hold that against me. <laughs> I, won't, I won't. I promise. Uh, I, was, I, try, I tried to limit exposure with him outside of Penn State. It, <laughs> I, I found it's not good for him and it's not good for me to be associated with each other. Um, we have actually been mistaken for each other. Now, I know that's hard for some to believe uh, because I'm a lot thinner, a lot younger, a lot better looking than he is. <laughs> um, but but oh. there was a, a particular there was a particular company um, that had asked us to speak, had asked him to speak um, at an event. And I saw them on the floor at the trade show at STMA. And th- this company said to me, Jeff, we're really looking forward to having you come speak um, at our at this event in, in, in March. And I'm like, oh, okay, great, great. I'm looking forward to it too. I had no recollection that well, it wasn't me. He, they had they had gotten a hold of McNitt and wanted him to speak, and he had agreed to do it. So I just about gave this company a heart attack because I didn't know anything about the fact that I was supposed to be speaking, and it, it's because it was him. 
<laughs> oh gosh. Come on, companies, keep it together, you know. <laughs> um, with everything though, again, with McNitt and everyone, what has your experience been like in the sports surf industry? You know, how would you sort of describe it? The people you've met, the people you've made relationships with, and really just the overall outlook on how it's been for you and your career. Yeah, so I so uh, I can summarize that really easily, and and I and I'm really I'm really um, um, I'm hard on on Dr. McNitt um, when we're speaking. Equally, he's he's the same way with me in public, and that's fine. That's the kind of relationship we have. But honestly, um, I've learned so much from him, and he has opened so many doors for me. Um, and the and the turf. The turf program at Penn State has opened so many doors for me um, because people are like, oh, you're from Penn State and you do turf work. You must be one of the best in the country. Um, and um, so, I mean, I've gone to a lot of places with with Dr. McNitt and and he, um, you know, NFL stadiums are, are just uh, they're a common place when you're with him. And, you know, the amount of knowledge he has. Um, on, on soils and soil physics. And, uh, it's just, it's almost silly. He forgets more in one day than I ever knew about soil physics. So it, it opens a lot of doors. Um, it gives me an opportunity to work with some of the best and brightest people in the industry. Um, at, you know, and, and, um, I, I don't know, I'm, 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 I will be forever, ever grateful, um, to that whole group at on campus um, for, for the things that they do for me. And I think that's probably, um, the reverse of that probably is they appreciate um, what I do for them. Absolutely. Um, and sort of beyond Penn state, again, you've been able to visit a lot of different places, whether it's conferences and whatnot, what has it been like to get to know again, sports turf managers across the country? You were talking about how you're working with not just the Pennsylvania little league world series, but all the regional places around the country. Um, what has that been like for you? And what uh, do you think sort of the future holds with all of that? You know, there's so many different opportunities to meet people. You and I started these two different podcasts and everything. Like there are so many new avenues to create, again, sort of that network. Um, what's sort of your thoughts on that? Uh, again, sort of beyond Penn State. Yeah. So, um, you, you hit the nail on the head there in that. I feel like I have a large family, um, across the country of sports turf managers, um, whether that's in, um, Indianapolis or whether it's in San Bernardino, California, or whether it's in Tupelo, Mississippi, um, whatever, whatever town we're in, um, I can, I can, I can probably find a, I can probably, if my car broke down, um, I could probably find a mechanic, um, to, to help me or find somebody to tell me where the best mechanic was. Right. Um, and, and sports turf managers are, are, are those people. They're, they're all, um, they're very similar people. They're, 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 we're all, we're all kind of made from the same, from the same cloth. Um, we, we don't have any secrets in the sports turf business. Um, everybody tells everything, everything that they've tried that worked or didn't work um, or things that they built or things that they constructed or whatever the case is, um, you know, and, and we're proud of it. Um, one of the interest, one of the most interesting things to me, Drew, is to go to these different fields and look in people's shops. I love to go look in shops because they're never a square room or a rectangle room, right? They're always, they're always slanted with, with concrete and, and, and just the way people store things um, in those shops is always fascinating to me. Um, um, So, so I I think I have a a large group of, of family friends um, across the country Um, um, the, the, you know, we've talked about the board of directors. I, I, I made some friends, um, on the STMA board that, um, that quite honestly, um, Tim Van Lu, um, Tim is, is a, is a great sports turf manager, but quite honestly, even better than that, he's a better person. 
Um, and, and Tim, Tim and I were on the board together for our, our six or eight years. Um, and when I was first diagnosed with cancer, um, my doctor was in Indianapolis. That's where I went for my high, my high dose chemo and my stem cell transplants. Um, and I'm laying in my bed, um, with a needle in my arm, having, um, this chemo put in my arm and my phone rings and it's Tim Van Lu. Now this wasn't uncommon. Um, you know, that people would call and check in people that knew what was going on with me. And he said, um, Hey, are you going to be there for a while? And I'm like, yeah, 59 days. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to be here for 59 days of treatment. Um, he said, okay, well tomorrow, um, I, I have to be in Chicago tomorrow. Now he lives in, uh, he lives in Ames, Iowa, and he's got to go to Chicago. He said, I thought I'd stop on my way past. Now, I don't, I don't know if our listeners are, are paying attention to what I'm saying, but Ames, Iowa and Chicago, going from Ames, Iowa to Chicago does not include going to Indianapolis, Indiana. It's kind of out of the way. Um, but Tim showed up at the hospital um, to, to, to knock on my door and just come in and sit down. And he talked to me for an hour and got back on his motorcycle and went to Chicago. Um, that's incredible to me, right? Uh, I, I, I mean, I have two brothers that I don't know, either one of them would have ridden that far out of their way to, to get to me in Indianapolis. Now I'm just kidding. They both would have done that, but that's the kind of family I'm talking about um, that, I, that I feel like um, the sports turf managers are to me. Incredible. Shout out to Tim Van Lu. God bless you, man. That's awesome. Um, sort of to piggyback off of that, and so we sort of were talking about it for a second. Uh, you started a podcast similar. Uh, I think COVID sort of brought it on, uh, having time and sort of everything that goes into that. Um, it's called Fresh Cut Grass. Uh, again, Penn State Extension. Uh, I just sort of wanted you to give us a little out look or overview of what sort of went into it, how it came about and sort of what your goal is with the podcast um, and different subject. We talked about, you had a fall army worms and there was this big success uh, on that one. If you could sort of just talk about it and uh, explain to everyone sort of a uh, good reason why they should be listening to it, you know, even though I know you yeah, all so, should be. So, so it's a, it's a great podcast. I want everybody that's listening to yours to go to Spotify or Apple podcasts or Buzzsprout or whatever your podcast platform is and, and check out fresh cut grass. Um, and, and fresh cut grass is myself and Tanner Dalval, my coworker from the Eastern side of the state of Pennsylvania. And we, um, it's casual conversation with turf grass professionals. So what we tell our listeners um, is um, the conference is over um, we've just gone to the bar and ordered a soda and we're sitting there enjoying our soda and we're going to have conversation about, about our turf grass, our turf grass. Um, so, soda. Topic. Yes. Soda. Yes. Yeah. Um, soda. Um, so, so whatever, whatever your beverage. So that's what we tell our guests is um, we just want it to be casual conversation. Um, so, Earlier today, we recorded a couple of episodes. Um, we had a, 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 a lady from Pennsylvania Parks and Recs Association join us. Um, great podcast. Um, and then um, later, we had Patrick Coakley. Um, um, he's on our Dora board. Edge. Yeah, he's on yeah. our board of VSCMA. Yeah, so we had him on. Um, so um, we, we have um, – it's a it's a, a, a a great way for us to reach out to our clients. Um, we're, we're, our numbers aren't cl even close to what yours are, Drew. Um, you guys are rocking the world with your, with your um, tiger turf grass. Um, but, you know, we're averaging about a hundred downloads a week. Um, and, you know, if I were doing a meeting every week, um, you know, in-person meeting, and I had a hundred people um, coming to it, I would be a rock star. Um, so, um, my, you know, our, our kind of look on a podcast is it's a way for us to reach people in a different way, a different, um, platform, a different way, um, to get information out to them. Um, so we'll talk about anything from, 
um, golf course green drainage to um, fall army worms. Um, we we are we try to keep it kind of like a, a current topic, um, current events topic. Um, unlike um, unlike you, um, you know, you're you're kind of interviewing professionals in the industry um, to give your students the exposure to different aspects of 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 things that are going on. Um, what our line is that we're trying to reach the people that may not be even aware of the state associations. So they may not be aware of CAFMO. They may not be aware of the of VTSTMA. Um, they, they may not be aware of STMA. So we want to try to get information out there for them so that they can have um, the same kind of abilities that the members do. Absolutely. And you guys definitely do a great job in that, you know. Uh, and it's it's funny you bring that up. There, it's a, I always find it crazy, you know, when nobody understands the sports turf manager, you know. And it's I've wrote a couple articles on it and whatnot. But you walk into a baseball stadium, everything's perfect. They're just watering a little dirt. It's fine. Everything's already been set for everything. They don't know about the guy coming in at seven a.m. or nine a.m. Whatever it is, they come in and work the entire day, getting prepped for the game year round, making sure that 80 games, you know, and then you have your youth, your youth sports and uh, turf managers that are usually parents or someone along those lines. Uh, we had Andy Amon on uh, it. It's incredible to me. The lack of the idea of someone's doing the work behind the scenes and the work to allow, and it's Goatley's line. And I always use it, but allow them to make memories, you know, and have the opportunity to, pursue their passions of sports, you know, whether that's golf, baseball, soccer, football, whatever it is. And I think that's one of the biggest things that I've tried to instill in my kids is understand that what you're doing is so much more than just cutting grass, you know? Um, and it's, it stretches into this incredible industry again, not just sp sports surf, but golf landscaping, all these different companies that have that impact, you know? Um, so it's incredible that you're doing that and that's the focus of it because it's, it's definitely needed, so, you know? So, so, so aren't we kind of the, if this was a theater, um, you know, if we were in, in a production, right. If we were doing a play or a musical, we're the stage managers, right? That's what we do is we, we manage the stage. We want that stage to be perfect. And that's what, we're, that's what we're really doing. All we are is a stage manager for a performance. Absolutely. Um, our performers. Our performances, our, our performers are just professional athletes that are, you know, that we're trying to give in, in, in the professional level. Obviously, um, you know, the kids that come to Williamsport and play in Little League, they're not getting paid to be there, um, but it's, a, it's an experience. But we all have to, it, it all has to be about the safety and making sure that a field is safe to be played on. But, you know, we're, 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 stage, we're stage managers. I love that analogy. You know, it's perfect. You know, it's because that's what you don't really think about, you know, the only time we come out is when mother nature says, Hey, get out of here. We need help. You know? Well, I'll, I'll give you permission. You can use the line. You don't even need to quote me on it. <laughs> I will always quote you on it. Don't worry. <laughs> I try to make sure I quote everybody. Everybody has great ideas with all this stuff, you know? Um, but I'm, again, I'm to the point in my career though, Drew, that I don't need credit for ideas anymore. <laughs> I'm I'm uh, I'm trying to give other people the opportunities to, to no no take you you take that one I don't want to deal with that <laughs> okay <laughs> um, but sort of with everything um, has there ever been one experience that stands out above the rest you know during your career uh, you were talking about how your educational background really wasn't in turf and you found your way into it again because of the need uh, of your position what was it sort of again taking that that background coming into turf what has been your greatest experience when it comes to sports turf management that's one that i could probably sit here for a long time and come up with try to come up with one um you know just one because i've had a lot of great experiences um everything from um, World Series um, to Augusta National during the Masters um, to traveling to the old course at St. Andrews 
um, to um, the national col or the, the the Coliseum in Rome. Um, turf has provided many opportunities for me, but probably the one that I get the most satisfaction out of is um, working with young people and and watching the light come on. And and those those of us that work with kids or teach kids know what I'm talking about. Um, kind of like your Ryan, um, your Ryland experience. And, and I'm just so intrigued with their minds and the way they work. And, and we don't give our students enough credit, right? I, I think kids today, I wouldn't want to be a kid today. Um, um, but they, they get a bad rap. I, I defend them all the time. You know, well, kids just don't want to work. No, no, let's, let's clear this up. Not all of them want to work. Um, there, there are, there are some that, that, that really, um, st still make us proud. Um, that still, that still will grab the bull by the horns and wrestle it to the ground. Um, but, but I guess the thing that, that I get the most satisfaction out of is watching that light come on, um, even with college students. And I don't, I don't work with, I'm not a faculty member, so I don't, I don't teach students every day, but I do interact with them um, when, I, when I'm on campus um, with different events that, that Penn State offers for students and, you know, turf conferences and those kinds of things. But just watching the light come on in a young person is probably, um, probably outshines the Masters or a Super Bowl or the World Series, because those are just events. Um, they're really cool to go to, but um, watching it come on, um, that's, that's pretty special. Couldn't agree with you more. Um, we actually, so I was telling you before, like, again, setting up everything for the uh, celebration of life for Ryland was on the football field. And I was, it was after a JV game. So we had a storm come in on Wednesday morning. So like 4 a.m. And it was supposed to rain from Wednesday morning all the way up until five o'clock, which the service was at six o'clock. So we were only going to have a time frame after our JV game Wednesday night uh, to or Tuesday night, Tuesday night to again, right up when it was going to start. So the kids were like, we need to come in and do this before the rain. I was like, OK, we need to make sure everything's good to go. Um, but I was walking the field. Um, and one of our, our security officers uh, was there for the JV game again, sort of as an admin. And he's walking around watching our kids work. And I'm like, you're not staying, are you? Like, <laughs> I've got this covered. And he's like, no, I just wanted to walk around and uh, just admire what's going on. You know, there are so many people that talk about kids nowadays that are like lazy. They yep. don't do anything and whatnot. And he's like, it's, it's incredible to see these kids come together behind Ryland and get this ready through the adversity of, of again, mother nature, sometimes mother nature, you're really not great. I don't appreciate you sometimes, but at the same time, being able to see that and everyone sort of come together, spend the four hours later in the evening, getting it done. And again, taking care of the whole thing, because it was what they wanted, you know, and it's what they were passionate about. Um, he got me teary eyed at it. I was like, I didn't even think about it like that. You know, I was like, we've got a job to do. We got to get it done. Um, and again, it was, it was pretty incredible to listen to him talk about it. So I couldn't agree with you more on that. Um, with. Yeah. So that, so I, so I agree that I, I, I think there, um, I think kids, young people today, um, as you said, I think they, um, I won't say they get a bad rap, but I think sometimes that, um, you know, oh, they spend too much time doing this or too much time in video games, um, you know, or too much time doing this or that. But, I, you know, I think that maybe, it, um, maybe they, 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 they've never had the opportunity, right? So that's the other thing that I love to, I love to provide opportunities for young people to, to be exposed because, uh, you know, there's only what 32 MLB teams and then all the minor league system, whatever that system is, there, 
there's only X number of people that play the game of baseball. I tell people all the time, if you want to be in major league baseball, pick up a rake, pick up a rake and, and learn how to learn, learn to rake or learn how to mow a straight line. You can get there quicker um, doing that than you will with, with a baseball glove in your hand. Um, you know, and, and um, you know, you're still part of the game. It's kind of the STMA model. Um, the, the, the line is, you know, we're experts in the field partners in the game, right? We're, we are, um, I don't know enough about that. I guess. No, I love, I love I, that. I it's can, perfect. It's perfect. I can, you know? I, I can get on a soapbox about it pretty quick, especially defending kids because, um, I think that, um, many times they get given a, um, an unfair rap. I'm not going to say that there aren't some kids that are, you know, oh, there are plenty quite, honestly, <laughs> quite honestly, I'll use the word lazy. Yes. Um, but, but at the same time, um, you know, if we looked at your generation, we can probably find those same people. If you look at my generation, I know we can find those people. Um, so, you know, so, so we're not, um, we, we got to give them a fair shake and, and there's Absolutely. still a lot of really good in this world. And I think that quite honestly, it's time for us to give up being, um, hard on each other and start appreciating more of what goes on around us. Um, and I don't know. I No, you're right. It's perfect. Like literally I couldn't agree with you more. I also love the part where you were talking about, you get to the MLB a lot quicker. I remember uh, my first night working for the Mets and I was sitting there, I was like working on the mound and everything. I'm like, I guess I figured out a way to got, get to the pros now, you know? And, first year i worked the world series it was one of the most incredible things ever i would i thought i was i okay in my defense i was a very good high school baseball player but i was never going to be in the mlb there wasn't that there was always that hope i had the work ethic i had to drive and everything but again like in the end there wasn't a way i was going to get there um and it just was a surreal moment standing on the mound at city field you know like you're like, I actually did get here. You know, I never thought this would be a possibility, you know? And again, you're talking about just providing the opportunity. It's so many kids in my program where it's just like a flip of the switch, you know, like this is yeah. what our class is. You know, this is what we do. Like this is for a grade and this could be for a job in the future if you really want to, you know? Um, so again, like I couldn't agree with you more on that. Um, but and again, back to what you were saying, like just knowing that we're the stage managers, knowing that we're a possibility. There are billions, I wouldn't say billions, there are hundreds of millions of high school athletes in this country that love sports more than anything, you know, and are want a way to keep going, you know. And sports turf is the perfect way to do that. You know, you're still outside, you're still active, you're still working within the sport that you love. And it can take, and things that I always say, it can take you anywhere you want to go in this world. I have a student, he's at Virginia Tech now uh, in his two year degree, moving into the four year, but he wants to go and travel the world. You know, he wants to go do different jobs in different years. You know, you can't do that with just any ordinary job. You know, as a teacher, it would take too much time to figure out what's going where, where you're teaching, and then engineering, you'd have to be well known, successful. And yeah. Whatnot. Turf, you can go find a golf course in the middle of I don't even know where, uh, Asia, middle of nowhere, yeah, middle of nowhere, middle of nowhere, yeah, wherever you want, and you can go and work on that course. And if you love it, guess what? You can be happy there for the rest of your life, you know. So it's, and if you're not, if you're not, it's a little bit like being a nurse. Um, you know, you, you, you can, if you're not happy where you are, move, go do something else as a nurse. Um, there's lots of opportunities, but. Same way in our business, if you don't, if you're working on a golf course in the middle of West Jabip and you don't like it, pack up your stuff and move to East Jabip. <laughs> <laughs> yep, exactly. You know, um, well, I just want to say thank you for taking the time. This has been incredible. And again, I can't thank you enough for coming on after everything that's happened. It was more than perfect. And I, I truly, again, I can't thank you enough for everything you did for Ireland and for our kids. Uh, it truly means the world to me. Um, I'm excited to see you down in uh, Savannah. Hopefully, I don't foresee any. We're, we're going to be in Savannah. We're going to be in. I have I have great confidence in being in Savannah. I have great confidence too. We're going to roll with it. We're going to the Jeff Fowler confidence, guys. That's happening. Mark it down. <laughs>
Um, but I can't thank you enough. Uh, and again, guys, make sure you go check out Fresh Cut Grass. It is a great podcast. Make sure you're going to watch it every week, listening to it um, on your ride home. You know, it's a perfect, perfect thing to listen to. Yeah, it's only a half hour show, so you can, really you can listen to it on your way home. Perfect. Uh, again, I can't thank you enough uh, for taking the time today. Uh, Drew, I just want to, if I can, I want to leave yeah. you guys. Um, I want to leave your students. This this isn't for your listeners um, that are downloading us on <laughs> all those podcast um, softwares. This one is just for your students. Um, but I, I, I said it at the beginning of the show, but I want to say it at the end of the show, too. Don't be afraid to be emotional around the loss that you guys just went through. It's okay to um, be be sad. Okay, you lost a friend. Um, so, so um, from from the bottom of my heart, um, I, I want to wish you all the very very best, and I want you to know that that there are people out here that are rooting for you, um, and and. Um, learn from the experience um, that you just went through with Ryan. Um, there's a lesson to be learned even in bad. And that lesson is, um, and all, this was the ultimate sacrifice, right? I mean, we lost Ryan. Um, so, so there, but there's good that comes from, from his loss. And, and I want you guys to focus on um, the, the fact that, that you had great memories of him. And, and those memories are what, um, every time you see his name or you hear about, and, and don't, don't just do it for the next six or eight months because it's fresh in your mind. Um, start a society of Ryland memories so that 30 years from now, you still get together and still talk about those memories. Okay. Um, don't just let them drop um, because time, time um, makes us forget about things like that. But um, I think it's healthy for us to, to, for you to, to keep those memories current in your minds. I'm done now. <laughs> it's all good. The, there's a couple of parents calling it the Ryland strong army. So he, he'll definitely last forever here at Princeville. So um, again, I can't thank you enough. I have you, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. Um, and again, if you ever need anything from me, I'm always available again. I owe you everything. So I hope you have a great rest of your day. We're going to have you on fresh cut grass real soon. Yes, sir. Just let me know. I'll be there. I'll do that. I can bring kids too. You want to talk to them as well.